0: Welcome to the Our Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So again, Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you for everything that you do to help us. We invite your presence now to help us understand your word. And please bring revelation to us. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I thought we'd, might we might backtrack a bit and look a bit more... Um, what the Bible says about the gifts because they they come under uh, about five different main headings in, the, in scripture um, so we'll have a look where those scriptures are where the gifts are um, having said all of that that they come under these different headings apart from theory it doesn't make much difference to be honest with you what needs to happen always is our openness to the Holy Spirit he's the one who gives the gifts he's the one who's with you openness to him learning to respond to how he speaks to you how he reveals his presence so that when we watched um jamie and will last week and we saw how uh, you know they had words of knowledge on the street they prayed for the guy the metal came out of his hand all that is what's available through those gifts of the holy spirit so we might learn some theory about what they're called where they are in scripture the end it's just us doing it (laughs) it's the key Mm -hmm. it's just us willingness to try and and have a go but sometimes it's worth having a bit of a background and it helps us so um, there are four main listings of the gifts of the spirits so in 1 Corinthians 12 8-10 that's probably the one that you are more familiar with and and it's called the manifestations of the spirit or phanerosis is the Greek word and that's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discerning of spirits, kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. So it's all of those primary gifts that we know, and it's called the manifestation of the Spirit. And somebody used to describe it as, as if it was like a dancing hand. Holy Spirit was like a dancing hand, and he would come, and he would touch, and you would have a gift. Now, it wasn't that he was giving you well I'll give you a prize you're not going to get one (laughs) it wasn't like that at all it was that the giftings are given for the common good the blessing of others right? through that whole concept of love so love and compassion is what's motivating us there's an impossible situation in front of us like we were just talking about your dad we were learning that we live in the heavenly realm all the time, and what connects the person with the, the problem to the heavenly realm where all things are possible, right, are those gifts of the Spirit. And they're given as and when that's needed. So if you just sit there, never ever think about, oh, I think I might pray for somebody, or I'll give a prophecy, or if you're never actually motivated to pursue as it says in Scripture, to pursue the gifts, you probably won't see them. And that's where it will be. But as soon as you start to walk with a heart of love towards someone and you realise, gosh, this is a problem they have, this is an issue they have, you, you are the conduit for the Holy Spirit to then come with a gifting. Some of those giftings develop into ministries, and you could probably name people in Germany that you feel have uh, ministry. We could name people here in this country you feel like have ministries, you know. And you see that in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 okay. apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, gifts of healing, helps, administration, tongues. You find that these giftings and ministries just overlap. Uh, it seems that the gifts. Uh, the phanerosis, manifestations of Spirit, are given to anyone who's like sticking their hand up, saying, hang on a minute, I need to prophesy here. I need to pray for healing here. I need to, you know, you're sticking your hand up and the Holy Spirit's giving that gift to you. Ministries come as you've done that many times. Uh-huh. The rest of us go, he can prophesy him. <laughs> and we might even go to you he's brilliant at prophecy we're just going to go give us a prophecy please because we know that you are in that response a bit like Sean Bolts, you go he knows how to give words of knowledge right and so a ministry develops in that person it's not that they're only restricted to the word of knowledge it's that it's become very effective in them and a church recognises where gifts are in people because they see it and then if you're living in a in a nice environment where people are given the, you know, go for it sort of culture, then you find that that develops into a ministry within them. Um, In Romans, Paul talks about, in Romans 12, verses 3 to 8, he talks about the charismaton, which is the gifts of grace. Um, Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, organising, mercy. You can see there's a whole spectrum of um, gifting. I remember this one about organizing. When we had the dance group and uh, in the early days of the dance group we were putting together uh, dramas and one of the first large drama that we did was called the Passion Play and um, we had been invited to go and do the Passion Play at the um, YMCA in Manchester At that time they had a very large building in, in Manchester and we were invited YMCA. Um, Young Men's Hostile. Christian Association. Okay. Oh, right. So it's not the Youth Hostel Association. Well, I think it developed into that. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I see. <laughs> right. So, um, we were invited to go along to do the Passion Play in in their big building in uh, in the centre of Manchester. and. I was asked by June to go and recce the place and sort out how we would do the Passion Play. Now, you've got to remember, I have never done any drama in my life. I had been <coughs> co-opted in to be a centurion, to dress up a centurion and say things like, make way for Pilate, you know, and to put Jesus on the cross. But it wasn't a big speaking part. you know, It was just like, stand there with your Roman soldier's uniform on and look important. And so I had no idea, no clue about how you do drama, none at all, right. I wanted to do this passion play because I felt it was going to be something quite special. Um, so I arrived at the building and I sat down. They had a, a stage, well a small thing that would look like a stage, and then a bar area and seating and whatever. And I sat down and I thought, I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. So I said, Holy Spirit, please, could you help? Not really understanding that there was a gift of grace called organizing. And I sat there and I could see it's like it was a television show I was watching. I could see where we would have to put all the costumes, where the cross would go. Remember the cross comes up like seven foot high, so you've got to have a ceiling height that you could do it um, where the actors would go, where they would come on um, stage left, stage right. I had a clue about those words were before, but that's I've just I could see it as this television show. So I was able to go back and say to people, "You do A, B, and C. Uh, Trevor, who's Jesus, you must go over there. You'll be coming out of that door. You put the cross over here. Put the change of costumes here because you're going to have to change to, into the next part. Some people did three or four parts." And it worked perfectly, and I did it from then on in, and wherever we were, um, uh, Strange Race Prison we did it in, so I just had the same job again, and it was, I kept just seeing this television screen, I could see how to organise it. And it was only later I began to realise, gosh, I think I'm beginning, or was functioning within that gift of grace. The Holy Spirit obviously wanted the Passion Play to go on, and he wanted us to be able to do it. It was good. Then you get, um, in Ephesians 4, verses 8 to 14, um, the Greek word is domata, which is the equippers of saints. And you've probably heard or read this. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are all there to equip the saints for the work of service. And so these, these giftings within the church that become ministries also become able to equip people... To do the stuff um, Ephesians 4 8 14 but then you get some miscellaneous gifts that just appear throughout scripture uh, not under any particular heading uh, celibacy could be seen as one of these gifts uh, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7 uh, philanthropy you know doing good uh, for the community at uh, 1 Corinthians 30 hospitality 1 Peter 4 verse 9. Interpretation of dreams, um, we could see that in Genesis 41. Worship could be another aspect of the gifting. And so you could, you know, separate all the giftings out underneath these different Greek titles very nicely. But in the end, it's just theory. Because the reality is, it's how I respond to Holy Spirit, seeing those gifts at work. They're given for the service of others in an atmosphere of love. That's what's primary motivator. The giftings come for someone else um, to serve them, to help them. Even when you're an apostle or a prophet or evangelist and you're equipping the church, you're doing it through service. You're not doing it through lording over people. I'm the big guy now and you have to do what I say. It's through service for them to enable them to become... Um, Pastors are never really very good at leading a church because they want to help people become better. Now, that's not quite what Jesus said. He says, I build my church upon the apostles and prophets. And so it's the apostle who sees heaven, sees the purpose of God, and makes it known here on the earth. The prophet is the one who... Prophesize it, you remember what we were talking about last week about uh, you know it can be creative that prophetic word uh, or it can be as if you're speaking the, the history before it's seen, but why a pastor is very good is that he can you put it in this language he can heal up the people who come into church mm-hmm. because he's that motivated that's the way he is heal the people up. And then they become part of the army that the apostle and the prophet is, are sending out <laughs> saying, that's what you got to go and do. Chaps, go and do this. So when I prophesied that we were going to start our destiny, it's like, I mm, do to do it. I don't know how to do it. I just said, I uh, suppose wants to start a ministry school here. That's like seven, eight years ago. But then... Others like Sharon, who really moves in an apostolic gift, goes, "Ah, I've got some jigsaw puzzles here." Um, Timo, you've had a prophetic word to do a score. Yes, I have. I- you and Ruth, yes. Okay, are you? Yes. We are- so all of a sudden they come in, and they go, "Yes," and they could they could make i destiny function. Me, prophet, I'm going. I'm glad I didn't want to give him that job. <laughs> right. <laughs> wouldn't know what to do but I can speak the word do you know what I mean I can get hold of it from heaven and speak it out and then in the community of a church you need those other giftings to come around to make it function so often the normal pastor setting is like I've got to do everything I'm the man who's got to get it from heaven. I've got to speak it out. I've got to make it happen. I've got to heal you up. And that's why so many pastors just get burnt out because they feel like they've got to do everything. Whereas the key is that you allow the equipers of the saints to develop within your church and then the the function of doing the work of God becomes so much easier because now all of a sudden you've got all of that gifting functioning in your church um, so again it's for the service of others, to help others um, I mean you're just thinking about our school uh, I mean we had started um, Deborah Rise, June started Deborah Rise quite a number of years beforehand praying for youth, worldwide youth revival and of course we see our destiny as being part of that, we've had must be 75 students through I think in that period of time, just stunningly seeing people like yourselves believing what Jesus has done for them, and then going back home and doing it. Some have struggled, but a lot have, lot have just gone on and done incredibly well. Um, and that's the encouraging thing for me is just seeing you grabbing hold of the truth and walking home with it, and finding. Oh, what's it up? <laughs> Um You don't possess the gifts. They're given. You receive them. It's like you receive them from the Holy Spirit for the person who needs them. That's why it's gifts of healing, because it's not that I'm the healer. Jesus is the healer. The Holy Spirit gives that gift of healing for the person. And you just become the conduit for that to happen. But as I said, the more and more and more of it happening, the more you recognise there's a ministry in this person. Um, and God is blessing and honouring that ministry. Okay, um, They're not trophies or medals, you, know, you don't get them for better service, for being more fasting, whatever. They're not like that at all. As I said, they keep for the service for other people. And you can receive gifts irrespective of your maturity or responsibility. So, It's not that it's only the leaders in your church, or your youth leaders, or your youth pastors that get those gifts. It's any person. As soon as you've given your life to Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're the fullness of the Holy Spirit's available. And as we learn to make those brave steps and take the risk, we start to find that the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and starts to equip you. And you start to learn his language, as I keep saying, it's something that we do have to learn. Um, I think we'll stop there for a moment. Uh, I wanted to just share a bit more of my experience with those gifts because, I mean, that's just theory. But I want to try to make it a bit more practical and try and share some aspects of you know, what you need in your life to, to see it begin to f- come to fruition. So if I go all the way back many, many, many years ago, Kath and myself had just got married. As I said to you, I'd, uh, I'd um, met with Irvin, and I got baptized in Spirit, and I was speaking in tongues. And I'd moved across here to Sale, because the community here in Sale were a group of people who were really open and wanting to move with the Holy Spirit. And that was quite unusual back in the late 70s, early 80s. Back then in this country, I mean, if you're in a Pentecostal church, yes, you would have found that. But in the like Church of England that I was in, it was very much kept in the background, really. It was a little bit, not quite. Yeah, honestly, they believed everything, Holy Spirit, Jesus, everything but they didn't really want to let emotion out. It was too ner- they were too nervous that it would be counterfeited and all that sort of stuff was going on in the church. So coming over here, it was, a cu- it was a culture of people who worshiped Jesus, were open to the Holy Spirit, wanted him to come. And that's where I was. I was someone who was, as it says in scripture, earnestly desired the higher gifts. I wanted them. I wanted to find a way in which I could serve people with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So I remember going to a, McCarthy um, myself went away to a conference, um, and we went to two in quite short succession. So the first one we went to um, was down south, and it was an Anglican retreat conference. And the man was talking about the Holy Spirit. It was very intriguing. Was a similar sort of conversation like this we are having. And then we went to a ministry time. And every time he would bring somebody up to minister, I would have a word of knowledge or prophecy or a picture or some sort of vision for them. And it was like 10, 15 people. And it was like every time. And it was a an atmosphere where you were encouraged to share. Do you get what I mean? So it felt really, oh, this is good. This is, you know, I'm this is beginning, I'm just beginning to try and learn, right? Then I went to another one with Kath, Um, within a few weeks we went to another one and they were more talking about your authority, which is one of the things I shared, that we do have authority from Jesus. And um, when I came back from there, we arrived at church a little bit late, church at that time was very small, Um, do you know the English word pew, do you know what that means? Um, it's like a, a bench seat that they have in churches. So we had one either side and a small aisle down the middle to the front of church. And it was tiny. You know, if you got the most I think you could get in there, it was over 50. Um, so it was very small, really. Um, so we arrived late and we sat at the back of church. Um, I think worship was going on when we arrived. And I oh, felt, oh, the Holy Spirit wants to give a prophetic word now our culture at that time was prophecies were uh, one person would speak a word to a group of people not in the way that we've been trying to help you learn by an individual to an individual it was more public prophecies so i thought i think there's a, a word here and the word was jesus wants you wants to get your ears on that's what it It was a strange sort of way to say it. Jesus wants you to get your ears on. But that's what I said. And of course, there was no reaction in anybody. Nobody went, oh, that's for me. I want to get my ears on or anything like that. There was just like, okay. (laughs) Mm. But um, do you remember I shared with you about how it used to be Barnabas and Paul until the instance when Paul speaks to the guy and tells him that he's going to be blind. And from that point on, it was Paul and Barnabas. And I said that there are occasions when the giftings that are always in you seem to explode because you've taken a risk. And in taking the risk, it, it multiplies. It just develops. And looking back, this was one of those occasions. So I felt to prophesy. So I stood up and I said... Jesus wants you to get your ears on. And I sat back down. And then I realised that nothing was happening. And I thought, if Jesus wants us to get our ears on, surely, uh, and uh, what I meant by that was that we were going to hear his voice and be more confident in hearing his voice, surely there must be a response from us, or at least from somebody. It can't just be... Oh, that was nice. But there had to be some russes. So I remember getting up and walking down the front, which was not really me. We're going back many, many years. So it's not really me to go and do that. Um, I just felt something needs to happen. So I went down the front, turned around. So imagine it's full, but there's not many people there. It's full, but it's not many people. So I said, look, Jesus just said he wants you to get your ears on. He wants you to be able to hear him. We must respond. Anybody who would like to hear Jesus better, please, could you come forward? Now, in my mind, I'm thinking like one or two people come. Well, this church got up and walked into the aisle. So you can imagine 50 people now trying to squeeze into the aisle. where It's like this long line of you know, about three wide, squeezed in there. And nearly, I would say nearly everybody came forward saying, yes, please. So I thought, well, somebody's got to minister this then, haven't they? It's me, I'm doing then. Mm. (laughs) You know, I just, something in me said, go on, go. And I then started to pray for people. But if you can imagine there's a line of people. I wasn't praying from... The first person, which is what I was trying to share with you a few weeks ago, I was like, "Oh, this person I'm a bit." Better. So I walked past maybe six to get to this person. pray for them. They were slain in the spirit. Now, slain in the spirit was a, a thing that seemed to used to happen a lot more in the past for us. That's when the Holy Spirit overwhelms someone and they fall over and they they encounter God. And then I would come back and there'd be somebody else and pray for them, and the same thing would happen. And then I would get people saying, you're missing out, you're missing Jill on the front row, she was first. I said, no, I'm following Holy Spirit. Don't don't interrupt me at the moment, I want to follow him. And I would catch somebody else's, oh yes, you, pray for, oh. Now, it was probably a period of 15 minutes, but by then, the majority of people were slaying the Spirit on the floor. Encountered God. It was a wonderful encounter with the Holy Spirit. But what did it do in me? It it caused this explosion of oh I can do it. Oh I, I'm I'm able. What did it do in other people? It went There's a ministry in Allah. I recognise it. Pray for me, Alan. You get what I mean? It was like came from both sides. So, that was like a, my Paul experience, it was like, I tentatively prophesied, looked and saw nobody was doing anything, felt this like, I'm going to go and do it, people responded and I thought, I'm going to pray for them, and in the middle of it I'm trying to think I want to follow you Holy Spirit, not follow my brain. I don't want to just do what I think I should do. I want to do what you want to do, Holy Spirit. Please help me. All right. So, at that time, we we're part of the dance group, so we go out regularly every week to churches most weekends. Sometimes, particularly if it was Easter, you do seven times in a week, you know. Uh, so, we were going out regularly, and June, seeing this, gave me opportunities. Very kind of a you no. Know, Would you like to lead the? service then Alan? Would you like to do some ministry then? And we'd gone over to Yorkshire and in terms of words of knowledge I don't think we'd ever seen one from ourselves. We'd seen words of knowledge in in practice when we'd been to conferences but as a group of people we'd never really knew how to give a word of knowledge. I think we felt it was Big important thing, you know, and we're not up to it yet. And that was a lot of our thinking. We're not there yet. We have to do a lot more preparation of ourselves to get it, which is nonsense, but that was our thinking back then, unfortunately. Um, so we go to this church in Yorkshire, and um, we've been doing our dances as part of the worship. And it was also a time of, uh, you know, individual prayer asking for. Greater freedom in our in our Christian lives, right? And that's what we've been doing, and I've been doing that. And there was a point at which a lady who was in the dance group then, Pauline Miller, she said, "I think I have a word of knowledge." She said, "I I got this word, or this feeling that there's somebody here who's frightened every time they drive, or they're frightened at somebody they know every time that person drives. It was like she didn't know what it was. It was either they, themselves that was frightened or somebody that they, were, they loved, they were frightened for them. So she said, what do we do with that? And it was like, that's how we were What do you do with it? And of course, you say what do you do with it because you're nervous about it. It could be wrong. You didn't want to look foolish and all that sort of stuff. I said, well, we can just give it. You know, they they will just say it, and if somebody responds, they respond. But it's just like we we didn't really know or had enough teaching in in this sort of stuff. So I said, "Somebody here, you're frightened of driving, or you're frightened of a loved one driving." And immediately, a lady puts her hand up, and says, "It's me. I am. I am." So she came forward for prayer, and Pauline and others prayed with her. But it was again another, oh, for me, it was like, oh, Holy Spirit, you're here. You're, you're able to come and speak to individuals. And I started walking through this congregation that um, they were all sat on the floor, actually. I started walking through them. And as I would pass somebody, I would have this I, I, either a prophetic word for them or I'd have at that time, I didn't know it. I thought it was all prophecy, words and knowledge for them. So I remember the one guy, as a young man, w- I stopped. You're going to lead worship and you're going to uh, play the piano and you're really very, very gifted of God. And he just looked happy. I moved on. What I didn't know was he didn't play any musical instruments, he wasn't involved in leading worship. And, you know, so it was all like, nonsense what i was saying because he wasn't musical now i didn't know that but two years later his dad came to a conference we were having at church and said i just got to tell you when you prophesied over him he went home he believed it he learned to play the piano he now leads worship and he's written songs he's like remember what i was saying to you about the prophet's reward when you speak that word it contains within it the ability to do the things of God. And when the person adds their faith to it, oh gosh, incredible stuff can happen. And it's that learning to respond to Holy Spirit when he's around you and and doing and saying the things that are right. Uh, and then uh, as a church, we went away for a church weekend and we were... Um, we had a number of quite old um, people in church and we, we were wondering how to look after them, to be honest with you, because uh, they were struggling on their own. And um, so we'd gathered together a group like this. We're praying and worshipping, asking the Holy Spirit to come. And I, I feel this, the Holy Spirit, prompting me again. So again, my, my only model for prophecy is prophesy to a group. I haven't yet learned that I can prophesy to you personally in fact all of us can but I am still in the prophesy to the group uh, mode. and of course my prophecy was within three days you will see the building that you're going to buy and then as soon as I said it I wanted to grab all the words and pull them back because like three days is like too specific <laughs> couldn't I just say well, you know at some point you'll find well, I and mean, we hadn't even been talking about buying a building and like by that time I was part of the leadership here in church so I knew that we had 300 pounds in the bank. You're not going to buy a house with 300 pounds. Right? So It's like I knew those things in my brain but the spirit was saying, in three days you're going to uh, see the building you're going to buy. Now people like June and my wife, for some unknown reason, Believed me, <laughs> and they went walking round the streets in sale, looking for the building that we were going to buy. And they go down uh, Southern Road, and there is this um, 72 houses that are joined together, so two types houses, large amount of ground, in quite a derelict state. The, number four, you could actually live in, but number two, there was a, such a large gap in the wall where subsidence had occurred, you could walk in through the wall <laughs> you didn't have to use the front door. <laughs> and, oh. and the floors sloped like this inside it. It was really quite... This is church house. Uh, church house, yeah. Oh. So um, they believed me. They said, well, God's spoken, hasn't he? Really? I don't know what I want to believe it. <laughs> honest I'm just sharing with you the emotions I had it's like it seems to alright so but then remember we've read about gift of faith Ken Wilkes really honour him for this he has a dream and in the dream he sees himself stood in southern road pointing at the houses and saying "Like uh, right, these are gods and the price is now I probably get my numbers wrong so I'm going to say um 25,000 because I can't remember what the numbers were but it was something like that for the two houses anyway he rings up the um, 28, 28 so he rings up the owner and he says um, I'd like to buy those two houses from you, um, they were owned by the same person um, and I'm going to offer you 28,000 and they were on the market for over 50,000 and the guy said no way, that's just too low you're going to have to give me more than that and Ken said, I can't, because it's God who said 28,000. So, a month later, well, a month goes by, um, and nothing's happening. And we think, oh, I wonder if it's going to work. And then we rang Ken, and he said, OK, if it's cash, in four weeks, you can have the building. Now... That was like stunning. First thing was he's accepted a significant drop in the price to 28,000 as cash. We have 300 pounds in the bank. How are you going to get 300, you know, 28,000 pounds in four weeks? Well, we were so naive that we waited for two weeks thinking that the money would fall from the sky or that we'd find it in a box under a chair somewhere. You know, so we just didn't know it was too big. You know, 28,000 was just too big. Go bolder. Well, the Holy Spirit's fantastic. And I can remember the day when we decided, okay, if the people in church have got the vision, then they will contribute. So we'll put a box out and we'll ask people if they have the vision to put some money in there. So I, I, was, a, uh, I was a civil engineer. I had a well-paid job. I knew how much me and Kath could afford to put in that box, and I knew how much we'd put in. So, as a leader, I'm doing these mental arithmetics now, so I put that in, and there's 50 of us in the church, so reduce that down to the number of families, so there's 20 families, so reduce that down to wage owners, I'm sorry, 15 wage (laughs) owners. Multiply that by what I put in, boy oh, it could have five thousand pounds. That would be fantastic. That's a wonderful start that, wouldn't it? On that day when we got emptied the box out and counted it, there was fourteen and a half thousand pounds there. That was enough to buy one house. And then the other incredible thing was, Ken said, I really feel that I'm going to sell my house on Bancroft Avenue and with my family move in to number four. Because yes, as I said, you could live in number four. It wasn't like number two, and we will buy number four as a family. And church can then buy it off us. We can save up some money and buy it off us. But Ken, you can't sell your house in two weeks? You know, it just takes longer than. He says, "Well, I just feel if God's in this, something will happen." Well, believe it or not, he sold his house in two weeks. Had the money. Pay the man two weeks, so we were able to buy two houses. All from that prophetic word that I gave. Remember, when you when you believe it, it has contained within it the ability to do what God's saying. Well, no wonder you know. There we get this church house, and of course, it was used for many, 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 many works. Bosnian refugees. Speak. Oh, excuse me, been brought in and looked after. Um, the old people that we had, a place for them to live for quite a while, until they died, uh, it was a, a lovely place for that. Uh, helping people who, you know, were struggling, um, but single people who were struggling, bringing them into a community house so they could grow. And it was very helpful for the church for a long time. And then, when the right time was, we sold it, 500,000 pounds, we were able to invest here so that we can come and use this building. So it's been, it was wonderful so again that's that prophetic gifting coming and being shared and a community of people believing and um, remember the prophet's reward in believing in the prophetic gifting that's in the person and receiving that reward it's just wonderful so we're as a group of people we're, we're learning now that there's the Holy Spirit wants to come he wants to come powerfully amongst us we had had people over from New Zealand uh, this guy Bill Sabritsky we're going to watch uh, they were encountering uh, a revival in New Zealand where people come uh, they were sharing with us You know, more and more how to flow the Holy Spirit how to pray for deliverance etc uh, it was quite an exciting time really um, and I found that any time I had for ministry whenever I prayed for people they would be slain in the spirit And it would just happen all the time. Uh, Just pray for people, slain in the spirit. I'd go round to maybe counsel somebody um, from church and uh, I'd say, can I pray for you? They'd say yes, immediately slain in the spirit. But then I'm going to share something about starting to not honour the Holy Spirit. I began to look at this. I think, what on earth is all this about? People get slain in the spirit, but nobody's healed well, there's no thing dramatic happened. They just say in the Spirit. I thought, it's probably a learnt behaviour. They've seen it so many times that it's just learnt behaviour. You know. It's the thing that you have to do when somebody prays for you. They say in the Spirit. And I started not wanting to really see it, not honour the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, it stopped happening. And I'm sharing this because I want you to realize that you really do need to honor Holy Spirit and keep honoring him if you want to walk in the miraculous of God and keep walking in it consistently. So I started to oh, not want not again. Okay. But then it stopped happening. And you know what you feel like when it stops happening? Oh Could we not have it back? Could it not come back again? Oh, that was so good. Could we not have that? But it's now stopped happening. And this was the period on leading up to the Toronto blessing, um, which of course happened long before yourselves, back in 1994. Um, And the church here in the UK, and our church in particular, we were, people used the word burnt out. And what they meant by that was there was so much effort into trying to keep the church running and doing and doing everything that we felt would, you know, God is there with a, a list of things that He wants done, and you've got to do them. So, oh, I haven't done that. We haven't done the streets. Got to do that. We haven't done the homeless. Got to do that. We haven't done prayed for the the sick. Haven't got to do that. And you got all of these lists of do's that you had to do, and people were just getting fed up with it. I think. And um, more, of that presence of the Holy Spirit was being not there, not feeling it was there. And then Toronto happened, and you started to hear that there were manifestations of the Spirit of God. And you heard about laughing in churches. You heard about shaking. You heard about wherever you know whatever the Toronto blessings talked about. There was this presence of God coming. So as a church and as an individual, I started to want to go. Went to Toronto um, in '98. Uh, I felt uh, it was wonderful. Uh, the conference was good, but I felt I was a bit more of a observer. Oh, look what's happening there! Oh, look what's happening over there! But really, not engaging with it. Yes, I got prayed for. It was great, but when I came home, it was still like no, I didn't know. It was like sand. falling one your few fingers. It, it couldn't get hold of it uh, until. I think it was 2002, 2003, um, I went to the Father Heart Conference. And somehow or other, being exposed to and ministered to that Father loved me made all the difference because all of a sudden the revelation came was, if you don't get anybody else saved in your life, Alan, it's okay. I still love you it's nothing to do with what you do it's because of what I love you (gasps) well that was like what it took the pressure off but then there was prophetic words over me that you'll go home and you'll carry this with you and it will go to your family and to your church and again I believed it and I came home and I started to pray for people and they were beginning to be more filled with the Holy Spirit it was a Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming back. That's what it felt like. I am sorry that I dishonoured you about falling in the Spirit. Because when I, when I realised what was happening in Toronto, I mean, they would call it soaking. So, the Holy Spirit would come on you, you might have shaken a bit, and then you would lie down and you would soak in the presence of God. And the encounter grew and matured. And I was thinking, gosh, Five years ago, it was happening in our church, but we just didn't know what to do with it. We just left the person on the floor. Or we did the strange thing, which was to get a cloth and cover them with it, you know, so they'd be respected. It was just odd stuff that we did. But we didn't do. Let's have more of you, God. fill me more. I want more of your presence. I love this. I honour it. Let's have more of it. And we learned that through Toronto to just honour the presence of the Holy Spirit. As the years have gone on, I mean that's nineteen ninety four. We're in two thousand seventeen. I was only speaking to somebody yesterday who we was saying, Oh, I'm longing for the Toronto blessing, it was so lovely, I miss it, I miss it. Well, why do you miss it? Well, because we've got everything now, we don't need that anymore, do we? I said nonsense. You can it says in Ephesians to be continually filled. It's ongoing. Inviting yeah but if jesus has done it all on the cross we don't need i said you do that's what he says to you to do invite our spirit to come he is infinite you're finite you have him all but there's more of him it's just a mystery you have everything of him but there's more of him to come and it will always be like that so while after that toronto blessing um you know still a th- I might have got my time wrong. I think it's Sanskrit was still happening at that point um, I remember going to a church in Stockport and um, we'd been invited to go there and do what was called the Holy Spirit play and the Holy Spirit play was about the Pentecost coming of the Holy Spirit oh, but I was in a mood I really was in a I don't know why I got out of bed wrong I think I was in a real mood and I've been asked to lead the whole service. So, beforehand, meeting in the church, you know, um, Andy says, Okay, Alan, what worship songs? How long do you think the worship should be? Any ideas of worship songs? We're not having any worship, Andy. Um, if this play's good, it'll do it. And he's looking at me, really totally bemused. <laughs> okay, Alan, so what are we going to do then? We're just going to do the play. And that's all. Okay, and everybody's like, what on earth's wrong with him? No. So I go to the back of the church and I say, God, I do not know what's wrong with me at the moment. But what I do know is that you are with me. So I say sorry to you. I don't know why I am behaving like this, but I am. I just say sorry. And I just invite you to come. And we'll just see what we see just a, an empty vessel, a bit of a clay vessel at the moment that you've got hold of, so anyway. So we did the spirit play, and then, of course, I have to finish it off, you know, put it all together. So I stood up, and I said, Holy Spirit, come. I'd heard John Wimber do that. I said, Holy Spirit, come. I said, anybody who wants to know more of the Holy Spirit, be encountered with the Holy Spirit, come forward now. Well, it was like heaven opened up in the room. People had been, Christians, years were being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues for the first time, encountering visions, seeing Jesus, um, Holy Spirit being slain in the Spirit, uh, demons coming out of, you know, the um, one of the church leaders just said, Demon, come out of him. He screamed, and this demon left him. Um, yeah. You know, he just. It was like heaven opened. And I remember walking out and I heard, overheard Sharon talk to her mum saying, why on earth does God bless him so much when he's a, a real... <laughs> <laughs> to use a bit of an expletive. <laughs> I think, well, actually, the gifts are given not to do anything with your character. They're just given. And he uses clay pots sometimes. So I'm just trying to be honest with you, where I was with it, um, and learning to flow with Holy Spirit and learning to sense Him and, and do what He's asking you to do is the what I encourage you to be involved with. Um, there are still areas that are. I'll say hard for me I didn't I didn't find you know leading church the other day when I, I got you involved with healing I didn't find that difficult I, I knew I had some words of knowledge I knew other people would have words of knowledge I knew that we would pray for people in a in a good way and that there was an opportunity for healing to come like um what's his name Bernie it is Bernie and it said on Sunday you know that he's here as well and he's not using his walking stick and his, his wife's saying you must use your walking stick and he says no I'm alright my hips are okay so we knew we had that, I knew we had all of that but an area where I find difficulties, is like on the street stuff and doing anything out on the street um, it's still an area of I, I need to learn Lord and it's like a, a growing passion in me so I remember one school um, Alice and Hannah were on the school and um, they went away for the weekend up to um, York and they were with a church in York and they were going to do some uh, work in the streets in York and me and Kath decided we'd go with them and we'd stay in a nice posh hotel rather than on the floor where they were and uh, we would meet them in the centre of York and And Irving was leading the group Irving and Tony so um, I'm there in this square and very, you know, Hannah and Alice and others are, are doing various things in along with the church there in York and um, I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't really want to hand out flowers or anything like that, it's just like not me though, so then um, Irving says, oh look I want to have a coffee um, shall we go to that cafe, it was an outside cafe uh, I said yes, we'll go over there because I thought at least I can go and have a a drink of tea and I don't have to panic anymore about what am I doing on these streets so I went with him and he said I think I'll sit at this table over here out in the sunshine so we went and sat on the table and uh, we drank our tea and coffee had a nice chat with Irvin and Irvin said oh, I better go and help the students now because they might be wondering what else to do so he gets up he's starting to walk away and the man who sat next to me just on the next table says that's my doctor well that's my dad's doctor so Kath says oh do you know Irvin Well, yes I think I do I'm pretty sure he's my dad's doctor so Irvin was a doctor in Lim which is just south of here and we were up in York they had come for a day trip to York it's a bit like an encounter going on here you know so Kath says I'll go and get Irvin back brings Irvin back so there was um, the the guy and his wife and then the wife's mum and dad we're this group on this table. So Irving starts chatting to them in the way that he can. He's you, know, he's, you know, chatting about his dad and about this couple here. And then Irving says, look, um, we're a group of students from a church in um, Manchester and we're here to practice healing. Um, in fact, we're pretty good at it. So is anybody here sick? So the, the dad goes, oh, me, I'm about to go in for a knee operation. Mm. It's very painful, my knee. So he says, I tell you what, I'll get two dolly birds to pray for you. So he brings Alice and Hannah over. So the the dad now is stood over there, and Alice and Hannah are praying for, for him. And Irving's chatting away to his well, I'm chatting to the guy. He's a photographer, professional photographer. Business is struggling, et cetera, et cetera, That's what's going on. All of a sudden, the the dad is stamping his foot on the floor, it's healed. All the pain's gone. It's, it's it's amazing. It's all gone. I don't know why. But how did that happen? What did you do? <laughs> so, the 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 mum goes, "What well, can you pray for me then? Because my knees hurt as well." So Alice and Hannah come over praying for the knees. And I have a prophecy for this guy. i prophesying over his business, over his life, over you know things that are going to happen in the future. for him and he's like, "Oh gosh, that's very encouraging, very helpful. Thank you very very much." And I came away from that thinking, I want to learn how to do this on a regular basis. And I have to say, I haven't since then. I still, like, I need Irving or Tony or someone to help me. So I said to him, how did you know to go for a coffee then? How did you know to go and sit on that table? What was it? He says, well, I just stood there praying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Hmm, coffee. So I put the two things together, Holy Spirit and coffee. It must be the right. So then when we were waiting for the get the coffee, I said, where should we sit, Holy Spirit? And then that table just seemed to jump out at me. So we went and sat on that table. And nothing seemed to happen, did it? So I wasn't disappointed. I just felt that, well, I was following you, and that's what I thought, and I moved away. And as soon as I moved away, it all happened. Hmm. And I thought, that is, in a sense, what I do within church setting. What do you want to do, Holy Spirit? Now, oh, you want to do that, do you? Oh, that's what i Oh, you want to do healings? Oh, do it. Oh, you want to pray for toes? Oh, right, got to And you want dark nail polish? Oh, there's somebody here. Yes, responding. Yes, yes, it's me. I've got dark nail and my toes are probably. And I do that all the time within church setting. Outside, it's like it just switches off for me personally at the moment. They just switch off. No clue what's going on. Fortunately for Irving, it seemed to all switch on. So, my, what I'm trying to get to for you is, you will continue to learn how to flow with Holy Spirit. Just make that decision. I'm going to. It is always a risk. It's always a risk. When Irving says, "I get two dolly birds to pray for you," it's always a risk. Oh. Do you get what I mean? Um, when you're prophesying over someone's business, it's always a risk. But if you don't take the risk, then you don't have any of those encounters. It just never happens. And the thing that I think I shared before, I used to pray quite a bit for people to be healed and then thought, it's it's not worth, I mean, I haven't seen. I'd, I'd focus on what God wasn't doing. I haven't seen the cancer healed or the blind see or the deaf hear, I haven't seen those. And I'd forget to concentrate on what God was doing, all the lovely stuff he was doing. And I'd concentrate on what he apparently wasn't doing. And the result of that was I stopped praying for people and I thought I have to become more competent at it. And when I'm more competent at it, I can then start praying for them. And I remember avoiding... There was a family in church back then who had a, a, a sick daughter and I avoided going to pray for this sick daughter because I thought I'm not competent enough to pray. And then when Kath had bowel cancer, people, I just wanted people to pray all the time. Come on, you need prayer? You want to pray? You pray. You have a go. Kids have a go. You have a go, kids. <laughs> no problem. Sharon, you have a go. <laughs> Anybody, <laughs> pray for me. I just And I never once went, oh, you didn't do it, did you? You didn't sort it, did you? You prayed for me, but nothing happened. I never once did that. I just went... Please pray for me. And I thought, it's been nonsense all this time trying to become more competent. What people want is that empathy and that care and that willingness to believe that Jesus is the one that bring healing. And let's just go do it, you know, because I cannot heal anyone. I cannot do it. Only he can. Mm-hmm. And if I just stay here and never make the step towards you, we might never... Ever see that miracle happen? But when I make the step towards you, then there's the opportunity that it can happen. So that's been my summary of my earnestly designed the gifts of the Spirit and earnestly designed to grow with Him. And I've shown you some of my failures in it, and yet how His grace seems to override even failures. Uh, I've shown you how sometimes when you're prophesying you feel like mm, I wish I had never said that and yet he can take it and create something glorious out of the thing so I mean my words to you are start try, step forward have a go because as you do it you won't know when the occasion is it'll hit you Um what's his name Um, Bill Johnson says you never know that you're in a test until after and he uses the example in scripture where the prophet says to the king that he's to beat the arrows on the ground and then there would be victory so the king goes one, two and the prophet said you've blown it you were to continue beating the arrows on the ground. And the king said, "But, I didn't know. Look, look, that was good. Now. I'll, I'll beat the tar out of them now. Yeah. Now I know. Uh, you never know that you're in a test until it's happened. And God does test. It's not testing you and putting you in an exam like these poor people are doing down here today. <laughs> it's not that. It's, it's, um, it's creating more of him in you more of that, yes, I passionately want you, God. It's that that earnestly desiring, from you, comes and then he backs that up. And so you get put into tests that you don't really know about and even afterwards you think is that really a test? And it's, I think test is the wrong language because it, it makes us think of an exam. You know, did you pass or not? Um, and it's really, what, what is your motivation? What is your heart's desire? What Are you hungry for him? Do you want to see him? Well, if you do, then you will be beating that thing until you see it. But if you just go, uh, it's not really in you yet. And so the Holy Spirit will just keep wooing you until it's there, until you really want it. And that's what I'm encouraging you with is start beating the arrows really hard. You know, you can do that, right? Start, I want this, I want to see more of this. Where it hits you in terms of, I don't like being made a fool of, I don't like being embarrassed, say to him, Lord, those are the problems. I would like to get past them so that I can be a fool for you. I can be childlike. That's what he's asking. He's not asking you to be foolish. He's asking you to be childlike. That just says... My dad's big, he can do anything. Oh, that's a problem. My dad's got all he needs to sort that out. Uh, he wants you to be childlike. And if it's difficult to be childlike, say to him, I need help. Please help me. So, let's have a break. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk